Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I want to preach to you about a, a plague-stopping church. When I was in the islands, the Lord spoke to me and told me that my church is designed to stop plagues. I have made a way. My, my church is created to destroy plagues, all adversity. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so in Oahu, I, I preached a message about how to stop plagues, how to have breakthrough. And if you could listen to what I preached to you in the moments that remain tonight, it'll really help you to overcome. No matter what comes your way, God will always provide a way of escape. There's no temptation, the Bible says, that has seized you except that which is common to man. God will always make a way of escape. There's no hopeless situations in God. No, not one. Only people that grow hopeless. But the God of all hope will help you, heal you, set you on fire, put his oil on you, bring you through that narrow place. He brought me through the flood, as it says in Psalm 66. He brought me through the fire, and he brought me out into rich fulfillment. I'm telling you, this is a year of fulfilled. This is a year of breakthrough. This is a year, I don't care what's cooked up in some laboratory. My God's on the throne. He has hand-selected me, chosen me, put his oil on me, my name, carved it even in the palm of his hand, and I can do it with Christ. Come on, somebody say, I can do it with Christ. In the book of Genesis, chapter 22, you might turn there, Genesis 22, to give you some background, and so that I can teach you about geographical, this geographical location is fascinating, truly fascinating, and when you study, and I'll try to roll it out in simple terms, when you study about this passage and some other passage, which I will connect to it, it's impossible that man would actually put together this book. There are some ignoramuses, ignoramus, ignoramus, ignoramus sounds better. There are some that say, well, that's, you know, that's just a book. That's because you're an ignoramus. Because there's no way that man is even remotely smart enough to put together and orchestrate the situations that come together to show clear evidence that there's a God in heaven who cares about you, cares about me, and has hand-selected us and chosen certain seasons and times and even areas, even territories, by which he pours out his spirit. Are you all there in Genesis chapter 22? I'm, I'm turning there. Genesis 22, I, I, not long ago, I would say probably three, maybe four years ago, I did a series on Abraham. And it was, I think, one of the favorite series I've ever done. And in Genesis 22, in verse 1, let me get my spectacles. Uh-huh. And it came to pass. Everybody say it came to pass. It came to pass after these things that God tested 
Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am, New King James Version. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So here, Abraham and Sarah have received Isaac, the promised seed that would come. And in their old age, far beyond childbirthing years, and I don't think we need to explain that, they're past the age where you could bring forth a child in the natural. They bring forth Isaac, which means laughter. God comes and talks to Abraham and says, take your son, your only son. Everybody say, take your son, your only son. Okay, that... That verbiage, that, 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 the way that that's communicated is not by accident. Because as I said this morning, and I'll say again, the Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality. So when you see many things in the Old Testament, you see uh, as a type and a shadow. Now, his son, his, his only son, does that sound familiar? It sounds like John, the book of John, God's one and only begotten son. So Abraham, early rose early in the morning, verse 3, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. Now, some scholars say he's 17 years old, but the Hamash and rabbinic scholars say he's more like 30. And I would say he's probably 33 because it just works for me to, for him to be 33. Why is that? Because the only son. And it's going to make sense for you here in a minute. Jesus was crucified when he was 33, and what rolls out here is a type and shadow of crucifixion and resurrection. Take your only son, Isaac, so he takes his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, which, which is really profound. Um, I'm so grateful for Wally. Wally's like an Abraham to me, not old enough to be that, but... But he really is like a king. And I'm going to just tell you, and, 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 and a humble one at that, great man. But I promise you, when he's on the job, if some menial task that needs to be done, not that he's afraid of doing it, he could actually, I, I will never forget, I will never forget steel going up and all our guys up there, and they're all professionals, and they're like, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't work. He's like, bring the scissor lift down. Scissor lift gets down. Abraham gets up on the scissor lift, goes up. And within two shakes of his stick, it's working. So I thought, huh, I think he knew some tricks that the younger guys didn't know. But generally speaking, if there's wood that needs to be split on the project, I promise you Wally's not splitting it, nor should he. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when it says that Abraham went and split the wood, this is, this is something, and I've taught it when I talked about Abraham, I, I, I talked about this. And that it's unthinkable, it's unthinkable for Abraham to split the wood. Why is that? Because some younger buck should pull the maul out of his hand and split the wood, but he wouldn't have that. There's something going on in Abraham, and I, I'm sure, it, to me, it's this picture of like, are you sure? Split the wood. Are you sure you want me to? Are you seriously telling me to take my son? Get me another piece of wood. Keeps, he takes him a little bit. 
I don't know. I don't think he took a cord of wood up the mountain, but he certainly took a few pieces. It's an interesting moment. God will sometimes ask you to do things where you just have to like walk it out yourself. And you have to weigh that. And it's this, it's this very intense picture of king. He's a king. He's got tons of servants. And the last thing he needs to be doing is splitting wood. But it's this picture of him before the Lord weighing this and the heaviness of giving his son, his only son, to be sacrificed. He split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place which God told him. So he doesn't really know the place. It's just it's in this area, the land of Moriah. Moriah, first of all, the root is a root word for for bitterness, it's, it's, it's a root word that's used for the anointing oil and for embalming also, myrrh. It's a picture of death. So go to, go to the region of death. Go to the region of bitterness and offer your son. It's, it's very intense, profound, pregnant with revelation, really. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, I've taught this here at least half a dozen times. In the Hebrew, you're reading a translation of the Hebrew scriptures in whatever language you have. And there's a lot, there's I think 26, 27 different versions. And uh, each version is a little bit different. And there are versions that are, that are, some are, some are literal, some are more uh, phrase by phrase. Uh, others of them are, are paraphrased. Uh, there's different kinds of versions. Read the version that touches your heart. Which one's the right one? Read, read the one that moves your heart. But you have to go and look at the original language. As you go deeper in God, you can't just read things and just move on. And here in this encrypted verses is this word, saw the place afar off. In the Hebrew, and I'm mispronouncing it because I'm, I'm not a Jew and I don't speak Hebrew, although I know one makes amazing suits, and I know a little bit of Greek. He's got a great coffee shop on the lower side of East uh, Manhattan. Okay, that is totally hysterical if you're from the East Coast, but I'm just going to move on, all right? Thank you, Brother Chris, laughing, amen. How come that's funny? Because, because Jews in New York basically cornered the, the, the diamond market, and they cornered the uh, 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 clothing, what's it called? Textile market. So to say that there's a Jew that makes some suits, and then Greeks, it's hysterical. <laughs> and then Greeks in New York own all the coffee shops. It's a very funny story. All right, so you can laugh next time I tell it. All right, we'll try again next week. So the word there in the Hebrew, merohok, it can mean he saw the place afar off, but another meaning there, and it, and it lines up with Scripture, is that not he saw the place afar off. On the third day, everybody say third day. What happened on the third day that we talked about? Three days later, he got up. How come? Because you can't keep a good man down. That's why he got up. Resurrection power on the third day, on Sunday, early Sunday morning. Just like Jesus. How many of you remember that? He got up. So when it says the third day, and you see this, this terms like one and only son, your only son, your beloved son, on the third day, as a New Testament believer, you can't get away from what, what's happening here. And it goes deeper. He saw the place afar off, Merrill Hook. What it could mean 
also, that word, has numerous meanings and is translated, saw the place afar off, but what it's also translated is saw something of God afar off. And that fits better. What do you mean it fits better? Well, if you look at the rest of the story, you see that Abraham, he says on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, let's read it that way, and saw something of God afar off. He, had, he was a prophet for certain, saw prophetically into the future. Would you, would you allow me that liberty with the text, please? And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So he knows he's going to offer, and I believe it's a 30-year-old, in fact, could be 33-year-old son, Isaac. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, and he, let, and he laid it on Isaac and on his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went up together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, son. He said, Look, the fire, the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb. The what? The lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went together. And if you know from flannel graph stories, God made an earthquake and say, I know you can now be trusted. Turn to John. John, book of John, New Testament. Turn there, please. Chapter 8. John in the 8th chapter. And verse 53. Jesus says this. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be like a, a liar like you. I love Jesus preaching. It's fantastic. But I do know him and keep his word. Verse 56, underline it in your scripture and then in your Bible and connect it, write Genesis 22 next to this. Watch this. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. What on earth? Does that mean? Then the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old, yet you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, who before, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles now and the 21st chapter. 1 Chronicles 21. That place, the region of Moriah, is mentioned another, a few other places in Scripture, and this is going to be my main text, but I will tie into New Testament as well. First Chronicles chapter 21, and if you all have that passage, say yes, and stand up on your feet and go down to the verse 16. This will be our main text. Here we go. You ready? Come on, brace yourself. Put your seats in the upright lock position. Fasten your seatbelt. Let's go. First Chronicles 21, verse 16. Are you all there? Then David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth and having a hand and a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. And David said to Gad, 
Was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? I am the one who sinned and done evil indeed. That these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O Lord my God, be against me and my father's house, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of the Ornan, the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad, which he had spoken to him in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves, but Ornan continued threshing the wheat. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor, and he bowed down to David with his face to the ground, and David said to Ornan, grant to me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price, that the plague may be withdrawn from your peoples. Everybody say it, that the plague may be withdrawn from your people, verse 23. Ornan said to David, take it yourself. Let my Lord do, the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I'll also give you the oxen, the burnt offering, the threshing implements for your wood, and the wheat for the grain. I will give it all. And David said to Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings that which cost me nothing. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for that place, and David built an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire. The altar of the burnt offering. So the Lord commanded the angel, and he returned his sword to its sheath. My God. And at that time, David saw the Lord and answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Verse 29, for the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering which Moses had made in the wilderness were at that time in the high place of Gibeon. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. That place that he purchased, listen closely, the place that he purchased at full price is the same place that Abraham went to sacrifice his one and only son. Fascinating. It is also the same place that the Temple Mount is. And in actual fact, if you were to bring up a picture of the Temple Mount right now, you would see what's called the Dome of the Rock. How many of you know what that is? It is one of the holy places of Islam. They believe the Dome of the Rock, the rock or the foundation stone, here's, here's what they believe. They believe that that is none other than the threshing floor of Ornan, and they believe that's none other than the place that he went to offer Isaac. And it's the place that David purchased. They also actually believe that that stone, and it, has a, it has a hole in the corner of it. You can go read all this stuff. Wikipedia has some of it right. Wikipedia is, you know, you got to be careful of that. They don't have everything right. But there's this hole that goes down to what's called the well of souls, and there's some weird, twisted strangeness. Some actually believe that that was the first place that was created in all of creation that actually it's called, also called the foundation stone. That is this rock that's under this temple that's, that's taken over by Islam. That's the Temple Mount. 
Furthermore, what scholars believe also is that place, that stone, is also the Holy of Holies. Now, I don't know about all that. But I read that, and I'm, I'm not sure that's true. But it's interesting. It certainly is clear archaeologically. Now, when you go to, when you go to Israel and you get a tour and you're, you're with these guides, they guide you and they, they say things like, uh, it is proposed, or some scholars believe, and they have like a one through ten scale. Do you remember this? You know, you go to the, the Valley of Elah. How many of you know what that is? That's where David took down the fat-headed, uncircumcised Philistine. They said, you know, this is the Valley of Elah, and this is where Goliath fell, and, you know, it's about an eight out of ten. An eight out of ten means eight is a possibility that that's actually the place. So it's not a hundred, I mean, it's a long time ago. Come on, they didn't have Google back then. They didn't have, they didn't have newspapers and, you know, thousands of years ago. That Temple Mount is a fascinating place. And it is the very place that David then built the Temple of the Lord. Of course, he couldn't build it because his hands were filled with blood. You can go on and read it, but his son, he was able to provide for it. His son built it, Solomon. That temple is, a, is a, a model of that which is in heaven. There's a mercy seat in heaven. And you can read Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 to just familiarize yourself and realize that, that that's a, that a type and a shadow. It's a model. But the, the real version is in heaven. That's why Jesus, the Lamb of God, that was to shed his blood uh, like the high priest on the Day of Atonement, which, by the way, is Wednesday. The Day of Atonement. Is Wednesday. It's an Anglo-Saxon word that means at one minute, to be one with. Once a year, are you guys all right? Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take blood and through a very uh, strict set of regulations and protocol would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the Ark of the Covenant had these two cherubim. The mercy seat was between the two cherubim where the Shekinah glory was, this burning blue fire. Woo! Oh, my. I just want to jump ahead for a second. They would sprinkle blood. If he did it wrong, they got killed. He had bells on the bottom of his, of his uh, robe. Some say there was a rope tied around his neck just in case he jacked up the protocol and he dropped dead. Because if you did it wrong, you get killed, you're fired. And then they would just bring the rope in and send in the new priest. Hope you do a good job. Oh, you need a little bit more blood on your earlobe. Better get... And you can read all about that again. Types and shadows. What? Types and shadows of what? New Testament reality. Jesus fulfills all of it. He fulfills it all. Come on, somebody say Jesus fulfills it all. All the feasts. All, all of this, Jesus fulfills it all. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Let's have a praise break for a second. Thank you, God. Now, I'm trying to share this with you so it goes to the deep end of the pool for those of you who've been walking in Christ for decades and for those of you who've been here for a week to try to break it down and make it simple. God's Word is truth. You can study it. You can give your life to studying it, I have, and I will continue to give my rest of my life to studying it, preaching it, and demonstrating it, and reaching the, heart, the lost with the power of the Holy Spirit, healing the sick, setting the captives free. Anybody else? I've given my, I've pledged my life, my sacred honor. It is what we're all about. It's why we have as many services as we do. We'll add a few more when we add them. Amen.
So once a year on the Day of Atonement, the priest, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood for his sins and for the sins of the people. When Friday, that, when Jesus was crucified and he hung on that cruel cross, you know what was ripped? The temple curtain from the top to the bottom signifying that the holy place that was separate from everybody else was no longer separate because he took care of it in his death and his then soon after resurrection. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to live inside some building. He comes to live inside of your heart and my heart. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a good, good place to clap or something. Hallelujah. So this region of Moriah that Abraham brings Isaac, and then years later, David comes and purchases this, this threshing floor, this high place, the, the Temple Mount. And in actual fact, if you go back to that place in Genesis 22, uh, you go back and look at it, God says to him, he makes his covenant, now I know you can be trusted, and I'm going to bless you. And he makes covenant with Abraham, I'm going to bless you. So now it's like this plague is breaking out, and this angel of death bringing this plague. Is it, is it 70,000 men are killed? I mean, you can go and look. Comes over the threshing place of Ornan, which is basically the Temple Mount, the place where Isaac was offered but God said, now I trust you. And the angel of the Lord stops. It's as if God sees and says, ah! And gives a word to Gad, who's David's personal prophet. David was a prophet himself, but Gad prophesied to him. David didn't listen all the time, but, but he prophesied to him. What's interesting to me here in this text, if you look in chapter 21 and verse 1, of 1 Chronicles, it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and the elders of the people, Go and number Israel from Beersheba to Dan. And Joab says, What are you talking about? Don't do it. And the king's word overrides Joab. Now Moses counted the, the, the troops, but why is David counting them? David's not counting them like Moses did. He's counting them because he's prideful. He wants to see how big, how strong a military he has. Pride has done. Satan stood up. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy of your soul, the ugly one, will tempt you so that you can get out from the covering of God and get into a place where he can decimate you. If the enemy can get you to step out from the hand of God, step out from the covering of the Lord and get you over into pride, get you over into lust, get you over into greed, get you outside the, the hand of God's protection. Somebody said, oh, Psalm 91, I'm under the shadow of his wings. Yeah, you under the shadow of his wings if you're under the shadow of his wings. The picture of being under the shadow of his wings is being so close to the ark that the shadow is over you. That's the picture. Some people claim Psalm 91. My God, there's more coffee mugs with Psalm 91 and, and, and magnets on the side of people's refrigerators. Psalm 91. They claiming Psalm 91. They curse like sailors. No offense to the Navy. They live like the devil and claim Psalm 91. I got news for you. Psalm 91, blessing and protection comes to the man, comes to the woman who whose heart is towards the Lord because he set his affection on me. I will do this thing. It's contingent on you and I living in the, in the principles and the covenant and the precepts of the word of God. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. 
while I catch my breath. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. Abraham offers his Isaac. It's this place of covenant. David is tempted. He forgot that he was the shepherd boy that God helped kill the lion and the bear. He forgot that he was the one who was a Uber Eats delivery boy at the, at the, at the battle bringing cheese and bread. He forgot that he was just the least. He was the youngest. He was the the insignificant one in his family, but God had chosen him. Some say, some scholars say, as the psalmist said, I was conceived in sin. They say that David was probably not even a part of that family, but was a result of an adulterous relationship that his father had. And he wasn't even invited when Samuel, the man of God, the prophet of God comes. I mean, Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground. And when Samuel showed up, man, it's like weather patterns changed. And when Samuel showed up there to, to pick the next king of Israel, the elders are like, Hey, Sam, we good? Is everything good? That's good. I'm going to Jesse's house. And he goes to Jesse's house. And, and it's amazing to me. All these seven brothers come. And David's not even invited. It's a picture that he's not included. It's a picture that he's an outcast. It's a picture of maybe what you've been through. But God takes to foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He, not many wise among us. He, he picks the likes of you and me to display his glory, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And David is chosen, but he's totally forgotten. He lost his mind. He got successful. Something happened. Pride entered into his life and made him a candidate for sifting. And so he, he goes ahead and sends Joab, and judgment is released. This might not be popular, what I'm about to say, but the United States of America has done things that, that have released judgment on our nation to some degree. And so what do we do about that? We turn things around. God is raising up a plague-stopping church. God sends this destroying angel to destroy Jerusalem. Look at verse 16. We didn't read that, I don't think, but let's go ahead and look at it now. Chapter 21 of 1 Chronicles. Then David lifted up his eyes and he saw the angel standing. Oh, we did read it. Between heaven and earth, having his hand drawn. What does David do? And the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. You want to stop the plague? You want to reverse the curse in your family? Humble yourself and repent. So what? I didn't do anything. Well, repent there's identification repentance. Now, I've heard this argued by some. They say, well, you can't repent on behalf of somebody else. You can certainly stand in the gap and say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do, like Stephen did. New Testament application, like Stephen did for Saul, who later became Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Saul became Paul. There are souls out there that need you to intercede, that need you to stand in the gap. There's a, there's a plague that's far worth, worse than COVID-19. I love what Jim LaFoon said. We're going to have his message. I'm going to play it here for you. It's just going to just blow your mind. He said he was talking to his mother who's 90-something years old. That generation, if you're 90, 
though I don't know what the cutoff age would be. But at 90, I mean, she lived through World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War. She lived through, she lived through incredible, the bird flu, right? I mean, I don't know when that was. There's other pandemics that had come. I mean, went through the Dust Bowl. Does anybody know what that was like? Maybe you've got some of your family that went through the Great Depression. Lift your hand if you have a mom or a daddy. You heard about the Great Depression. Now look around, all of you that didn't, don't know anything about that, look around and see the hands that are raised. All of us are older. So it was my grandfather, granddaddy, went through the Great Depression. And we wonder, wonder why my grandfather, my God, that man, he had, a, he had a little knife. When it was Christmas, he opened every piece of paper with a sharp little pen pocket knife, and he saved every single scrap of wrapping paper. I'm like, my God, what are you saving the paper? We're, now we just burn it. Man, he saved newspapers. Man, he saved cans. He saved all kinds of stuff. My grandfather had this habit of sitting at the table, and I thought it was really cool, but it's kind of weird now. But like we would eat, and when it was all done, he would look around and he would pick up crumbs with his thumb and eat them off the table. He said, why, why would he do that? Because perhaps growing up in the Great Depression, crumbs actually could help you out. And so... This prophet LaFoon talking to his mother, talking about a generation that she had been through, the Great Depression and all those different wars. I mean, all kinds of things. And he says to his mother, and it's pretty bad out there with this COVID-19. And she looked at him with a little glimmer in her eye and she said, well, it's not that bad, son. There is a great generation that's being raised up. You have to see the things the way it really is. There's so much that's trying to be drummed up and just whipped up into this frenzy. This is the greatest, most horrible time. It is not. It is not. And the plague really is people that are living godless lives trying to turn nations away from God and this whole one world order and the whole thing. I'm telling you, God is raising up a church. God is raising up a people. God is raising up people that will stop plagues. Don't you, don't you be dissuaded. Don't you be discouraged. My God's on the throne. They, oh, come on, it's the finest hour. Give me some more microphone. Don't turn me down. It's our finest hour. I said it's our finest hour. Maybe you need to get off some pablum and get into the word of God and get the meat of God's word in you and learn to overcome. He's made you to be more than a conqueror. They cut you off because you had a Christian bumper sticker. Oh, stop. David humbled himself. I'm going to tell you how to stop plagues. First thing, humble yourself. Humble yourself and repent for the things that you've done. This count, this census reveals David's heart and nationalistic pride. If our nation doesn't turn back to God, we're in big trouble. It's interesting to me that he bought this threshing floor. His name, I believe, in, in the Hebrew is Ornan. Uh, there's a Aruna, Aruna or something like that. I think that's a, it's another name. It's the same guy. He's a Jebusite. 
Jebusite, by one definition, is a strong polluter. What's interesting to me is if you look and, and relate to what I was telling you and teaching you this morning about the promised land, the Jebusites shouldn't even be there. And yet, he's at the high place of where God, where God had... Do you think it's, do you think it's unusual? Do you, do you consider it strange that this Jebusite would actually be in the very location that God wanted the house, the, the place where the covenant of Abraham and, and Isaac and the sacrifice and all that. Do you think that's a coincidence? It is not a coincidence. The enemy's trying to take the high places in our nation. And unless we vote in people like Edna, vote people in that have the fear of the Lord. And again, I love what, I love what Mayor Edna said. You pray, you obey. Amen. I'm not telling you to vote for her. I'm telling you to vote your conscience and vote the word of God. I cannot vote for an abortionist. I cannot vote for a same-sex marriage. I cannot. I can't. I won't. I can't because it violates my conscience before God. I will not change my mind unless the word of God changes. And it doesn't change. It's immutable. Train your kids to take high offices. Train your children. Not just pastors. Praise God for pastors. But we need leaders. We need people that can legislate. We need judges. We need people that will stand in the hot place. We don't need a Jebusite. You know what Jebusite means? Strong polluter. A squatter. How many of you know what a squatter is? They take land that's not theirs, and that's exactly what he was doing. Squatters stay until they're evicted. We had people living on our property, and I know there were homeless and, and all of that. But you're not allowed to camp out on our property, do drugs, and, and live some crazy lifestyle with your tent on the corner of our property. That doesn't work that way. We'll get you some help. Let's get you an addiction program. Let's get you free. But you can't be defiling our property and live there for that. It ain't happening like that. When I first walked into our barn all those years ago, all the windows were broken. Foul words everywhere, mattresses in every corner practically. I mean, just absolutely defiled. People living there and doing things that are unspeakable and wrong. I said that the place was so filthy, it's just like you didn't even want to touch anything. And it wasn't even about real dirt, it was about spiritual dirt. It made me so upset when I stood there that day. When I walked back into that place, I thought, this is the birthplace of our church? This is our first building? I thought, my God, this makes me mad. Well, it's not that way now. And I'll tell you, it's a picture of what God will do. He's given us a high place in this land, and he will give us a high place in every land that we take ownership and every place that we sacrifice and every place that we humble ourselves. God, come on, God can give us the White House. I said God can give us, what are you talking about? I'm talking about taking back our country, one family at a time. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. He bought the threshing floor from Ornan, which is profound because the angel speaks to Gad. Gad speaks to, the, to, to David, and David obeys. I love that. When God speaks to you, obey. The strong polluter. What David does shifts everything for God's people and this plague. 
what does he do? He offers a sacrifice to God. He, he said, I will not offer that which cost me nothing. Verse 24, no, but I will surely buy it. First Chronicles 21, verse 24, the King David said to Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings, that which costs me nothing. One of the reasons we've not seen a greater outpouring is so many people are concerned about their comfort and not willing to sacrifice, not willing to do their part, not willing to tithe, not willing to give, not willing to pray, not willing to get up, not willing to serve, not willing to be a part of something that's far beyond themselves. I'm telling you, until the church learns to sacrifice and really live with all their heart, and it's not really much sacrifice, turn the blasted TV off. Come on, smile at me. If you want to see breakthrough, go deeper in God. There's an invitation to every one of us out of the book of James. Draw nigh unto me, King James, and I will draw nigh unto you. Draw near to me. It's an invitation to say that if you will step aside from Netflix, step aside from Facebook, step aside from Instagram, step aside from Snapchat, step aside, step aside from TikTok. And those dating apps, the one-night stand apps. And go draw near to God. He will pour out His Spirit on you in a way that you've never experienced before. I was in a, a meeting I was in a meeting of church planters a number of years ago. A number, it's a year ago. A year ago. Became a super spreader event, but I already had COVID, so I didn't get it next, the next time, thank God. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> and they were talking about all kinds of amazing systems. And in the same way in a business, you need to have systems, you know, of how you're going to, how are you going to get business? What are you going to do when the business comes? How are you going to handle your clients? What's payment method? So on and so forth. All of the different systems that every business, every, every school, every church has to have systems. And if you don't have good systems, that can hinder what God wants to do. So, you know, we're learning new systems. And uh, I remember sitting with Dr. Morocco around that table. And what was strange was, you know, he's older than me. But I was like on the top I mean, he was like granddad, or he was maybe like great-granddad, and I was like a granddad. And I'm sitting there, and there's these 20 and 30-year-olds. I'm like, holy cow, where'd the years go? Jesus, help me right now. And I'm looking around. I'm 55, and I'm looking at all these people. I'm thinking, there's not too many people. I'm, the, I'm on the upper end of this thing. No, no, Jesus. And I'm learning these systems, and it's amazing. And they start talking about church planting and doing demographics and looking at, at, at the, you know, how people are, the, the income and different things and what's about a community and where's the best place to plant a church and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there, it's completely foreign to me. Well, not completely. I mean, I, I've heard it. It's just not how we do stuff. So I looked over at doctor and they were talking about, no, you need a strategy and you need to get your team together and then you need to get your supporters and you need to do this thing. And, and all of that can be great, I think. And I looked over at doctor, I said, what do you think? He goes, oh, I don't know. I said, what do you mean? 
He said, ah, I just get a word from God already. I thought, amen. So we sat back in our chairs. And so there's these little discussion meetings, you know, and so everybody kind of gathers around. There's like 20 tables and we're one table. We're sitting there and the guy's like, so, uh, and he's looking at doctor. He says, are you, are you Dr. Morocco? I said, yes. The Dr. Morocco? He's like, yes. Oh. He just, smoke starts rising from his phone. And he says, this young man, his name is, is Pastor Jordan. I think he's 34. Pastors five churches. And uh, his main campus is, I don't know, 3,000 people. And he's like six foot 12, which is huge. It's a joke. It's really tall. And then I talk to him. I'm looking up his nose hairs. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah. That's so awful. Yeah. He's 6'8", big boy. We'll have him. Amazing preacher. Amazingly anointed young man. And as we're talking about the strategies and talking about the systems and going through all this stuff and doing little worksheets and all this stuff's really awesome. He says, this is a little bit different than the way you guys do it, huh, Dr. Morocco? He says, it's very different. He said, so how do you guys do it? You like get a word from God, huh? He says, that's right, son. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but almost laugh. It's not to say that the systems are wrong. Honestly, we can use some systems. What God has given us in this church and this, what, I'll tell you what God's given us. He's given us the gift of faith. We're not afraid of jumping off cliffs when the Lord tells us. Maybe we should have been, but he catches us every time. I'm not saying our way is better than their way. I'm just saying that you have to really have, there's a supernatural dimension of power. The angel speaks to Gad. Gad speaks to David. David obeys. You want to know how to stop a plague? Listen to God's word and obey. Do it. Take steps of faith. Do the right thing. Well, it's not, I don't want to do the right thing. I don't feel comfortable. It's not about your comfort. He didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to comfort, uh, he came to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. How many of you want to have a great move of God in your family, but you're not willing to sacrifice? The plague will be stopped. The greatest plague is from a despot far worse than any Osama bin Laden. His name is Satan. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's behind all the darkness and all the, all the evil. He's behind it all, working behind the scenes, pointing and blaming and accusing, pointing and blaming and accusing, working things, demonizing world leaders. The plague is sin and separation from God. That's the number one plague we have. We can stop that plague. Oh, sickness and disease too. Yes. We don't, we don't even hear stories about like, some of you don't know, Maria Woodsworth Etter. Do you know who that is? Well, at the bird flu, she was flown into, flown in at the bird flu. She was flown in to Chicago. This is true. This is history. Went into Chicago. They, they, people were dying everywhere. They flew her in. I don't know if it's, I get confused about bird flu and the, I don't know. Swine flu, bird flu, I don't know. It's in the early 1900s. Go look it up. Spanish flu, thank you. It's a flu. 
people were masked up. Go look at, go, listen, this is not the first generation that had to wear masks, you know. She came in with no mask, I might add, came in and said, we're going to have a healing meeting and God's going to heal everybody and came into the pulpit and preached and prophesied and had a great revival. And, and that, that flu thing was pushed out of the city and people began to be healed all over. It is also told of her that she was in the pulpit and she froze in what the Bible calls a trance. She's preaching, she froze. Can you imagine if I'm preaching right now and all of a sudden... She freezes. You know, I mean, after 15 minutes, you're like, come and take her pulse, right? I don't know, they did whatever they did. For three, three days, she's there, frozen, with her finger like this, in the pulpit. They didn't even know what to do. Power got all over. I guess people came, people went. When she came out, this is history. This is church history. When she came out of it, she preached, and thousands of people got healed and delivered and saved. Where are those days? Where are the Maria Wordsworth Edders? Where is the church? We have let Ornan, the Jebusite, the strong polluter, take the high ground for far too long. I'm calling you now to a higher place. I'm calling you up to destroy the plague. I'm calling you out of fear tonight. I'm calling you out of despondency tonight. I'm calling you out of sin tonight. I'm calling you to a place of sacrifice to offer something to God that doesn't, that doesn't cost you nothing. Give them your life. Give them your time. Give them your talent. Give them your treasure. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. We are designed by God to overcome everything the enemy has sent. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The church of the living God is doing well. God is on the throne. He's defeated hell, death, and the grave, and COVID-19 too. Cancers can't stay before him. Oh, heaven and earth adore him. Angels bow before him. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Woo! Come on, say with me. Raise the right hand to God and say, God has designed me to stop plagues and destroy the works of the enemy. Put your hands together for God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to receive a special offering for our building. Why? Because of the season we're in, because God told me to do it. We're going to push yet again right now. And we'll do it again in October. This is not something I had on my book and say, oh, we'll take a special offering. No, God spoke to me to do it. And we're going to sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice. Pastor Karen, we're going to sacrifice tonight. You ready? Let's get an agreement in a second. Always be in agreement. Listen, don't just write off your casual, regular offering check that you always get at every special offering. Don't do that. You pray right now. You begin to pray right now. Pray about what you can do. You pray about what you can do. Why? Because there's something that happens at this time of Teshuvah and even on the Day of Atonement. Listen, between now and Wednesday. Do it between now and Wednesday. You can't do it today. You're not ready. You need to talk to your wife. Well, go ahead and do it. But between now and Wednesday, Wednesday is the Day of Atonement. They would bring a special offering to the Lord, and I'm telling you, there's a release of God's power now available that's not available at other times. I don't know, there's seasons. There's just seasons, and we're in one. 
So I'm going to do something significant with my wife as soon as we get an agreement. We're going to, can we play some agreement music? Come on, just worship for a moment. You pray. You pray. Ushers, don't go anywhere yet. You pray. Just pray. What, what can I do tonight or between now and Wednesday? sing something? Go ahead. himself a lamb but God doesn't provide a lamb right then he provides a ram but what I believe Abraham saw afar off about God a Merrill Hook was that God would one day provide a lamb what's fascinating to me is that not is not only the area of the the threshing floor of Ornan and the Temple Mount it is also the area that Jesus was sent God's one and only son that was crucified for you and me it's the same piece of territory It's the same place. It's called the center of the world. And in actual fact, you begin to look at Jerusalem really is the center of the world. Some believe that that right at that rock that man was created right there. I don't know about all that. I guess we'll know when when we're fully known, when we're in heaven. I think you can get freaked out about counting how many angels can go on the head of a pin. It doesn't really matter. Certain things just don't matter. What matters is, is that you're born again. What matters is that you believe on Jesus. What, matter, what matters is that your sin is atoned for and that you're washed, you're cleansed, you repent, you give your life to Jesus. But it is said in Genesis 22 that David called that place, does anybody know? He called that place Jehovah Jireh, the place of God's provision. And it is said that on this day, look, I, I need to go read it, I need to read it. Genesis 22. the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. He said, don't lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. So Abraham went, took the ram 
and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, listen closely, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Here's what it means to be the mount of the Lord. To be in the mount of the Lord, to be on the mountain of God, it shall be provided. I want to be on that mountain. I want to dwell in that place. I want to take residence in the place where the mountain of the Lord is. What does that mean? It means when God speaks to you, you obey. And when God tells you to do something, you do it. And you yield to Him without putting the, the guillotine of your faith with this rationale. Well, you know, and then you just cut all faith. It didn't make any sense for, for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. But it made sense in pagan culture all around him. They did that all the time. But not, 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 not in the kingdom of God. And God says, now I know you can be trusted. And that text says, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Being on the mountain of the Lord is living a life of sacrifice and obedience. You want to stop the plague in your family? Then you obey with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength. You get in a place of prayer. You get in a place of giving. You get in a place of serving. And you too will be on the mountain of the Lord. And God will provide for you in ways that are supernatural above your ability and way beyond your talent. He will supernaturally provide for you. Listen, I'm not afraid of taking a special offering because I know the power of sacrifice. I'm living it. I'm seeing it. It's supernatural in my life, and yet half the story has yet to be told. God's going to bless my socks off, and he's going to do it with this church and everybody that's connected. How do you know that? Because it's the Word of God. God doesn't need your money or mine, but what he's looking for is the people who go up the mountain with the sacrifice, the fire, and the knife. Will you do it? Do it to your whole life, not just now. You pray about what you should do. My wife and I have decided I'm going to give tonight. Do it between now and Wednesday. Let's see a great release of God's power. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.